River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Niner Nuts. I'm Dan, along with James. James, say hello. What's up, everybody? We're here. We're two best buddies who are nuts about the Niners. At least one is. One, I understand you have to celebrate Philadelphia right now. You <laughs> you guys kind of deserve it. <laughs> well, you know, I can't believe this is actually happening. I don't know what world I'm living in. I think I've actually died and gone to heaven um, with the way the Phillies and the Eagles are playing. My two favorite loves baseball and football. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I did to deserve this. I don't know what the, the city of the Philadelphia did to deserve this, but we'll take it. And like, this is, this is the greatest time I've ever lived and been a Philadelphia fan. Like without a doubt, six and O team, Baseball team in the playoffs. Sixers look good. You know, Philadelphia Union, number one seed in MLS, you know, and the Flyers, well, they won their first two games. Like, so this is just unprecedented. Like, the last time this happened was 1980. And, you know, that was probably the, that was probably the other single best year in Philadelphia sports where all these teams were just as good. You know, so long time coming. And, <laughs> Like you, Dan, I was two years old the last time all of this happened, so. Right. Well, I, of course, not wearing my hat today, but I will represent the Bay Area and tip my cap to you because you're doing much, much better than us. Um, at least the San Francisco 49ers, obviously Golden State, they're probably going to tear it up again. But, um, and then the Giants, I mean, we'll see. They they went from a record-setting season to flatlining this year, so we'll see what the Giants do next year. But, Anyway, the focus of today, as always, the 49ers, uh, all of you all that watched the game know that we fell in Atlanta to the Falcons to a tune of 28 to 14. Not a scoregami by any means. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, It was, oh my gosh. I guess my initial reaction to the game is that uh, it was just, even with our backups out there, I understand that we had a very, very makeshift defense, relatively speaking. Um, our offense is not, has been, they've been doing okay given their litany of injuries as well. Not near as bad as the defense, but um, no, I, what it boiled down to is that Atlanta executed and we didn't. We just, they played their game pretty much how we try to play our game. It was just chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. And our defense was out there for so long And our defense. You could tell in the second half, they were exhausted and our offense, they had their moments here and there, but I want to criticize that we didn't, I didn't think they went up tempo enough. I, I watched a little bit of Kyle's press conference and he said that they, at the time in the fourth quarter, they didn't think it was panic mode time when reality and all of us watching the game was like, no, this is kind of panic mode time based on how the rest of this game's been going. I mean, the fumble was the fumble. Like, that just, that's just hard to come back from in general when you're down 14-0 that fast. And they were starting to to swing it back. We scored very well and played very well in the second quarter, but then just 
the defense was so tired and the 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 offense didn't adjust. We didn't we didn't try to match the up tempo that uh, Atlanta. We didn't try to go up tempo to take any momentum away from Atlanta, and they were just they were firing on all cylinders, man. Mariota, if this is not a perfect passer rating, it is just behind a perfect passer rating. He had a hundred and forty four point six one incomplete pass that he just whiffed. It wasn't even a a, a broken up pass. Uh, and he had two touchdowns. He even had 50 yards rushing and another touchdown. I have to highlight, just because I'm harping on it, our defense, 40 carries for 168 yards and a touchdown were given up. And I mm-hmm. just, I, I can still see it. It's It was just three-yard run, four-yard run, seven-yard run, four-yard run. It just was relentless. And three people all went over 50 yards, Mariota, Allinger, and Huntley. We couldn't contain any of them. And it was that third and 18 or third and 17 when Mariota looked like the pocket collapsed and he ran out and he got the first down. I mean, honestly, honestly, from there, that's kind of when it just kind of fell apart for me. That's what I think. I mean, first of all, like you got Mariota scrambling quarterback. You got some of the best linebackers in the league and you don't have a spy on them like on that play. Like the I mean, yeah, you got everybody in coverage, but. Literally, when he walked through that hole, there were there was nobody for like miles. Like, exactly, they was, was they were too worried about a running quarterback throwing on third and eighteen. Yeah, like a normal quarterback. Yeah, I get it. Like Patrick Mahomes, you want to play deep on third and eighteen, but but yeah, no, Mariota can run. That's what he was known for in Oregon, and just because this is his third team in like five years, that doesn't mean he can't run anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's he, half these seasons he's been sitting on the bench for crying out loud. So he's fresh, man. He 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 still he still has a lot of tread on the tires. And like I saw that play, I'm like, oh, it's third and eighteen. Okay, you know. And then they're about to rush him and get him, and then he runs through the hole. And I'm looking, I'm like, there's like miles between him and the next defender. Like, why wouldn't you have a spy on him for whatever why reason? Why weren't Gibson or Hufunga spying on him? Why wasn't uh, Warner specifically on him? Or, or hell, even Greenlaw, because Warner's better in pass coverage. Why wasn't Greenlaw on him? Yeah. Like, like a linebacker, one of our linebackers could have chased him down. A linebacker, you put Hufunga there. Like, that's, you know, any mobile quarterback that you play, you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of that because that's the thing mobile quarterbacks do. We, we've watched... Tons of mobile quarterbacks now throughout the league, from Lamar Jackson to Michael Vick to, you know, Jalen Hurts to Donovan McNabb. Uh, Those are Eagles ones. I mean, Steve Young used to do it. You know, like, you get a mobile quarterback and you get them in third and 18, like, you you know that's in their back pocket that if you let up a run that deep, that's going to break your defense. That's going to take the morale out of your defense. That's, you know, and that's, I mean, I don't look at that one as a player execution one that falls on the coach because there were literally four rushers and eight defenders in the past, which is great if you're going against, you know, Peyton Manning or something, but you, you, you throw up, you got a mobile quarterback. He needs, you need to put somebody on the second level that's going to watch him and contain him if he gets outside that pocket. Right. And I mean, again, I get it. We were, we were injured to all hell and back on defense and I'm not, I'm surprised we gave up this much 40 for 168 again, but my God, I just, 
Well, you it know, was, it was that was in, that was insane. They didn't even need to pass. Like, I'm I'm not surprised he only threw 14 times. But even still, if he wanted to, uh, we didn't have either of our starting quarterbacks in like or for uh, for half the game because we lost Mooney. We lost Mooney. He didn't come back out after halftime. So we're down to our third, fourth and fifth string cornerbacks. Our entire defensive line outside of Ekubom, if he ever stayed in the game because he had to come out like five times for his tendonitis. The only people that were you you don't you only had to worry about Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Hufunga, and Gibson. That is so many holes. And it showed that the unit that we have right now was makeshift. They didn't have the same kind of chemistry that all the starters did. And I just that's it at the end of the day is that Atlanta was able to take advantage of that and execute because we were mentally exhausted. And they just, they stepped on our throats and didn't let up. It didn't matter that Jimmy didn't get sacked. Jimmy actually had a good game, I, all things considered. This loss was not on him in any way. Oh, you're muted. I might not want to blame it on Jimmy, but I might want to blame it on the receivers. Like, here's the thing. Like, we've yeah, talked, they definitely didn't help him out. We the talk receiver about, drops notwithstanding. We talk about defense on the show, too. We've talked about how this is one of the historic defenses and how 17 points is the earmark. Now, when you got injuries and things like that, really the defense only gave up 21 points, which is three drives. They let them score on three drives, three long, methodical drives. The other touchdown comes from a fumble by Wilson, and it was a scoop and score. So can't can't put too much on the defense, you know, we'll talk, we talked about that play, but at the same time, you're on offense, you can't fumble the ball, and when the ball is in your hand, you need to catch it. Like, if you're a receiver, it hits you in the hands, like, there's no excuse not to catch it. And Jimmy hit two wide, a couple wide open receivers, in which would have given them either a score or gotten them into position to score, and... They just flat out dropped it, and you can't you can't do that. If your defense, you know, the defense basically, there were three drives in which the the Falcons offense was successful. You take you take that turnover away, that scoop and score away, and you actually score on that drive and on the you know you score on the drive that you gave up the fumble and not give that score. We got a twenty-one to twenty-one game. So right. so you know there were, there's some blame to go on the offense. I wouldn't put it on Jimmy, like you said, but those receivers dropping those balls, that, I mean, that obviously is, you know, that's crucial. You know, your defense. It, it could have been so much worse, though. Like, we only recorded one fumble, that the, the ultimate consequence fumble, unfortunately, but it could have been so much worse, dude. Like, drops aside, like Ray Ray's drop and Warner's drop and just with well not a drop but just whiffing on that pass to Kittle that would have been a touchdown uh D, uh Brandon fumbled one of his catches that Debo was lucky enough to fall on and Jimmy lost the football but luckily our center uh Brindle jumped on it so if those two were lost this would be exponentially worse potentially this could have been a 40 burger if the the Falcons recovered those two so thank god we only had one and then uh the interceptions I, luckily they didn't matter uh, one was the Hail Mary at the end of the half, and then uh, the other one, it just that was just bad luck. That was a tip drill. I, I don't blame personally Jimmy for that pass because, again, 
we either dro- we dropped so many passes and Debo that hit him in the hands. And when you're a receiver, that's the rule. If it hit your hands, that's on you if you don't catch it. So I mean, this I don't know. Really, it could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse than. You know, the defense had a crucial spot there, but at the same time, I think more of the blame still has to fall on the offense. And, like, with all these mistakes and everything that was going on, you're on the road. You got to play a crisper game on the road. You got to you gotta come out there. You can't, can't be making all these mistakes, or otherwise that's what's going to happen. You have an injured defense. You know, they make, you know, it was basically three drives. That's all it, it's all it was, was three drives. The offense, they turn. They need to execute. You need as an offense, so like your defense should give up 17 points. Your offense, if it's the top flight offense, should be scoring you know anywhere from like 26 to 30 points a game. That's really where you want to be, you know. And you know, there was that one crucial play, but at the same time, the defense only gave up three scores. In your your offense didn't execute, um, so there's there's a little bit of blame on the defense, I think, but there's definitely more to blame on the offense in this in this game, and that's where that's where I think it should lie because ultimately, you know, as an offense, you need to score, and you're a Shanahan offense, so you should score. You you know, and so the execution wasn't there. You know, I don't. We talked about you talk about you know Kyle's doghouse too. As soon as Wilson fumbled that ball, that was it. I don't think he saw like another carry the rest of the game. Oh, you want to compare? You want to compare what our rushing was? They had forty carries. We had sixteen for fifty. And yeah, Jeff Wilson only carried the ball seven times. Debo twice. Jimmy scrambled three times. And Tevin Coleman had four carries for Jesus next to nothing. He had three yards. But but yeah, honestly, at that point though, like. We had no running game, really. Like, when we're down 14-0, yeah, we were clicking on the passing offense because we did hit uh, Brandon on both of his touchdowns right there at halftime, uh, or right there before halftime, and then Mariota's run put him up 21-14. Uh, but, but, yeah, after that, Kyle didn't trust Jeff, clearly, and we could move. I don't know. We just kept... We kept shooting ourselves in the foot. We couldn't, for some reason, we were just so out of sync uh, and just making our own mistakes, dropping passes, and just, I, I don't know. But yeah, the absence of the running game clearly was notable. It gave us no control. And when we're down, Kyle didn't, I don't even know if it's all on Kyle. Like, we didn't go up-tempo enough, I don't think. But um, But I mean, back to what I was saying with Atlanta, Atlanta was just executing. Their secondary was actually pretty good, and Terrell was in the game for the most part. I know he wasn't in much of the the fourth quarter, but um, that second, I don't know. Atlanta was just stingy, man. I was not expecting Atlanta to put up as much of a fight as they did. We we held Jarrett, their pass rusher, and we held him back for pretty much the whole game, but I don't know. That secondary was so stingy, too. They... They were opportunistic. They they made sure that, like, if they bent, they didn't break. And we, I don't know, I feel like I'm just about to repeat myself, but, like, they beat us at our own game. They bent but didn't break, and then when they had the ball, they destroyed us in time of possession. That's what really, 
that that was a stat that really stood out to me. They had the ball for like 34 minutes, man. They didn't give the ball back, and we didn't force a turnover, which is a thing on defense. Another thing on defense. We only got two sacks. Um, and yeah, I just, I um, I don't know. This was just such a deflating, depressing loss to watch. Like at the end of the day, and it's just because of the state of where we are. We and I don't know. We got to figure out a way to regroup and just accept that this is the roster we're gonna have because we're not gonna get that many people back for Kansas City. Yeah, and the thing about it is, we I think we both looked at the schedule and said this should be back to back wins, but. At the same time, you're going on the road East Coast from the West Coast, two back-to-back games on the East Coast from the West Coast. If I told you going into that you're going to play two back-to-back games, you're going to come out one and one. I mean, is that something you would have taken at the beginning, or was it something like we need to be 2-0 and to come out of this to, to, be, to be where we need to be, you know? Uh, say that again. You mean like back when we were looking at the schedule, you mean? So, like... What I'm saying is before the Carolina game, you know, we have oh. we have two games we have two games on the East Coast on the road, you know, against, you know, the Carolina Panthers and against the Atlanta Falcons. And if I would have told you when we come back from this road trip, we're gonna be one and one. Would you have taken it as a win? Would you have taken it as a loss? Or would you have said two road games on the road like this back to back on the East Coast? I'll take one and one. I mean, just seeing who they were, I, I would have, I would have saw that as a red flag. I would have thought that was alarming because, I mean, especially if it was the other way around, the Panthers beat us, but we beat the Falcons. I would have, I would immediately just like, what happened? Like, is this something that's correctable? Did somebody critical get injured? I would have been a little bit alarmed. Yeah. Um, but, but no, just given the state of where we're at, I mean, and the fact that this game in reality, really, really wasn't that far out of reach. Like, all these things that we're talking about, a lot of this was just a lack of, was a lack of defensive chemistry. I'd still, I'm still going to argue that, like, clearly we have to look, or they clearly need to bond over this and figure out, like, okay, this is our unit. Like, we got to overhaul the game plan for Kansas City because they're going to hit us twice as hard as the Falcons were. And then on offense, uh, Kyle's got to look himself in the mirror and think, okay, why is the explosiveness not here? Why is the explosiveness so inconsistent? It's, and it's not on, I don't think it's on Jimmy. Because again, with this line, this line did phenomenal for him. If there's any positives to come out of this game, this line gave him so much time to read the field. Why aren't guys getting open? Is it because Atlanta secondary was, was actually pretty good? Which again, AJ Terrell was out there most of the time. AJ Terrell's a Pro Bowler, of course. Debo was covered by him, so why yeah. wasn't anyone else able to get open? Why, why was he so stubborn about the the running game? Why did he just like okay, no more running? Was it strictly this stupid idea that like because we're down so much we have to abandon the run? Like I, but you look gotta, at it, there's got to be a lot of soul searching after this game, and but, so yeah, I would have been alarmed if you told me one and one after these two games, just because we should have beaten both these guys. Well, I would say you definitely can't abandon the run game, even if you're down. I mean, abandoning the run. not a bad runner, and neither is Tevin Coleman, and Tevin touched the ball four times. Yeah, like you you, you can't abandon. Your, your offense is not built and predicated on Jimmy throwing for 300 yards. You know that's not what Jimmy is. 
You no, win. If, if Jimmy throws the ball 30 times a game or 30 times, we probably lost that game. Let's be real. <laughs> exactly. Your formula for winning is run the ball. Jimmy manages and passes when you need to. And when Kyle just, you know, after the scoop and score, just sort of abandons the run, you know, you get it tied by the end of the half, right? You had it tied by the end of the half. You know, you, you don't need to abandon the run in that situation. Like, it's tied 14-14. We're going into the second half. Even if you get down by one score, you're on mute. You're on mute. Sorry, I was saying uh, 21-14, but even still, the ball came back to us, so we had it, so we could have tied it immediately. Exactly. It's it's you shouldn't abandon you shouldn't abandon the run. You know, I mean, I I felt like I felt like they got down 14 nothing, they caught up, and but like they obviously didn't like running the ball after that, and you don't you know you don't you know you don't really run the read option with jimmy so much but oh no we shouldn't no he's he's not a he's not a very depth runner let's say (laughs) but but your bread and butter and how you're going to win games you know without trey lance so to speak is you're going to need to run the ball you're going to need to you you got got one of the best offensive lines in all of football you know and you're telling me you know just because a guy fumbled once like i mean he what he he fumbled at the beginning of the game, it caused a scoop and score, whatever. You can't just like you got to give him a chance to redeem himself. You know you got You can't just throw we him got into Tevin the- Coleman. We got Mason. We got Debo Samuel. At least even like make him a decoy so everybody thinks Debo got it for a sweep and then throw it over the middle. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that you can do that to give up on the run and just totally go to the air in this situation. Like, I don't think it was a smart decision by Kyle. And, you know, when your team's not executing in the past game and you're not even running the ball and you're folk, you're, it just, it became a mess. And so, you know, the offense not executing on pass plays and the lack of run, you know, after Wilson basically fumbled the ball, like, I mean, that's, you know, you can't you can't just abandon it once somebody fumbles the ball. You gotta you tied the game up fourteen to fourteen. You did what you had to. Come out the second half, they score. You're only down by a touchdown. You can still run the ball. You can still run it down their throats because you yeah, have it, it's a resetting of the deck, really. Like yeah, we're down one score. Twenty one is not any scarier than if it was fourteen seven or if it was twenty eight twenty one. Like it's one score. We weren't we weren't that bad in the hole. Yeah, I mean, and so the decision to try and air it out and get the points quick, like you got a you got your bread and butter run game. You got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Just you know. Yeah, just because Trent Williams wasn't there, his his uh, well the third guy because his backup got hurt. For being a third string left tackle, he was doing fine too. Like this offensive line's really not that bad. And the thing about it is, too, one of the easiest things and one of the things that linemen like to do and one of the easiest things for linemen to do in this league is run block because it's just about beating the guy in front of you, okay? That's what Kittle says. Kittle would much rather pancake someone than make a catch. Exactly. That's, that's, 
And so when you have one of the best offensive lines in football and your passing game, they're dropping passes and things like that, can't abandon the run. You got just go out there and win your guy one on one and run the ball down their throat. And you can do that. You, your offense can easily do that. You know, and so there was no reason, really, there was no real good reason to abandon the run so damn quickly. Like it just, there was no reason to. You know, you get, you did get behind fourteen nothing. You you got back by passing, but the game's tied going after halftime. You know. By, by the way, see what happens when you throw to Brandon Ayuk beyond the fourth or beyond the first drive of the first quarter. See that he can actually contribute because I noticed that was a trend all these weeks leading up to here. We just didn't throw to Brandon Ayuk in the second half, let alone the second quarter. Basically, the whole season so far. And looky here. He got you two touchdowns and he had 80 plus yards. Maybe we should throw to him more often. Well, his two touchdowns were in the beginning of the half, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you could try throwing to him again, but who knows? I mean, I mean, I didn't look at film. Maybe maybe Atlanta was taking that away, but that's that's what I'm saying. Atlanta's secondary because you only see so much on the on the broadcast. Like that's why I'm curious. I don't really have the time to watch the game film, but I mean, that's why I was saying before Atlanta was just executing on both sides of the ball. Like because if if Jimmy really did need five seconds to read the field, that's a credit to Atlanta's secondary. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it, it the defense Atlanta's defense played well. Um, but I think, you know, Kyle, I mean, Kyle not running the ball, like when that's what you're going to win with, like that, you're not, unfortunately, Trey Lance is injured. You're not going to win with Jimmy throwing for three, 400 yards, not going to do it. It's not going to happen. And if it does, you're probably behind so far that you need to throw the ball to keep up. So, well, he his 296 yards impressive on paper but let's remember too that um so much of that was garbage time like i stat sheets the stat sheet sure but um yeah do you, remember we did throw a lot in garbage time and then on that 8 minute drive it all it, all we got out of it was a failed fourth down conversion and like 80 yards padded on on uh, Jimmy's stat line at the end of the day. That's all that came out of that drive, unfortunately. Well, I mean, you're just, your formula for winning, excuse me, I had to burp. Uh, your formula for winning is running the ball. I mean, that's what this one you do. You're one of the best offensive line, go run the damn ball, you know? And yeah, let's run it more than 16 total times between four people. Yeah, that's... I mean, even if even if you do want to pass with Jimmy, it needs to be more balanced. Like, how many attempts did how many passing attempts did Jimmy have? He was twenty nine of forty one. So really, I again, Debo didn't or Jimmy. I keep saying Debo. Jimmy did not cost us this game. He had a very high completion percentage. I yes, garbage time considered, he had almost three hundred yards. One of those interceptions. One of those interceptions really shouldn't count. I hate that Hail Mary and consequential half interceptions count, but and then the other one really wasn't his fault either because it hit Debo in the hands and it became a tip drill. So I I don't know. Jimmy, I will not give Jimmy any crap for this game whatsoever because again, remember, he had 
hundreds of times where he was standing in the pocket for like three solid Mississippis. Yeah. Yeah. He had plenty of time. So it'd be, you know, it'd be interesting to gather like, you know, I mean, if, you know, if we looked at film, who was open, where was Jimmy looking at what, what's going on there. But at the same time, 29 to 16, that's nearly a two to one ratio. You're, you're passing it 66% of the time as compared to running it 33% of the time. Anybody can tell you, you know, when when you have a team like the 49ers do, you can't win that way. Like, that's not the way to win. You need a more balanced attack, you know, when it comes to running and passing the ball. Yeah, this is almost opposite of what uh, Atlanta did. Atlanta was 14 attempts and 40 runs, and we were 41 attempts and 16 runs. It's almost exact like kissing cousins opposite exactly and then you know like i mean i don't i'm you know i was frustrated because yeah they were dropping passes but at the same time like as i'm listening to the game you know because i i had to listen to the game on the way up because i was traveling from uh rockledge to orlando for school and I'm listening to the game and I'm hearing the announcers. I don't, I forget who your radio broadcaster is, but he's like, we haven't seen Wilson at all, you know, since the first half, you know, like he's just. I kind of so, wish I listened to him instead of the, the broadcasters we had. We had like D level or C level Fox broadcasters. I don't even remember their name, but they were not that good. <laughs> well, I mean, the 49ers, I do like, I'm going to have to learn his name because I do like him. He, he's, I'll he's really here. Yeah, pull up his name because I he I do like him because I think I get you know a good viewpoint of what's going on the game for the 49ers. Um and we can listen to him because we have NFL Plus. So Right, I'm trying to stupid Bing. Bing is my default. Uh How is that not specific enough? 49ers radio broadcaster name. How is that not specific enough? Don Don Klein. Here we go. Nope, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, Don Klein. So he, I mean, I was listening to him, and he even pointed oh, out. Oh, no, that was, Jesus, sorry. I I didn't mean to interrupt. That was the guy who called the catch, and he oh. died at 95. Uh, I don't know how old this article is. Oh, my God, this guy used to be, this guy used to call the Raiders games, because I can still hear in my head the way he would go, touchdown, Raiders! But now he yeah. just says Niners instead. Yeah. Greg yeah. Papa, here we go. Greg Papa. Greg Papa, like I like him. Jesus I, Christ, I do, here we go. <laughs> I do like listening to Greg Papa, and he—he's the one who pointed out because I really wasn't—I was listening, but I can't see who's in or whatever. And he's like, you know, they—they they stopped running Wilson. He's like, I don't know why, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he fumbled the ball, but that doesn't—that doesn't mean you can't go back to him. Plus, like you said, you have three other running backs on the roster, like. Hand it to one of them if if you think Wilson's not is in the dog. You want to put Wilson in the doghouse, like, yeah. But he does. I mean, Kyle does that. I mean, he um, last year. Uh, I know you didn't watch as intently as me, but he did that to Brandon. He kept Brandon in the doghouse for almost a damn month until, and then he finally broke out in the second half of the season. But no, Kyle's not afraid to throw you in the doghouse, even. Cutting his off, cutting off his nose to spite his face in the process. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he he does realize like people are gonna fumble now and then, you know, like. Well, 
Well, that's just, what, uh, who, uh, was that Urban Meyer did, that did that last year to that one running back? Like, I, I, I don't even remember Urban Meyer taking out a running back because he fumbled or, or whatnot, but. Maybe I'm getting the coach wrong. I thought, I thought Urban Meyer did that to James Robinson or something, unless I'm misremembering the story. This is, you know, you're not, you're sending the wrong message to him. Really? Like, you're going to, like, give him a chance at redemption. I mean, that's. Um, football is one of those games where you get a chance of redemption, you know, and you know, you get, you should give the guy an opportunity to go out there. Now, if he fumbles it twice, you know, after, you know, you give the ball to him three more times. Okay. You want to put him in the doghouse after two fumbles on, you know, 10 carries or whatever. Okay. I got you. That's fine. But one fumble, you're telling me that guy's no good anymore and he doesn't deserve you know, a second chance. Like, that's just dumb. That's really, really dumb. You know, and you can't, you can't just give up on a guy just because he fumbled at the beginning of the game. Give a chance, give him a chance to redeem himself. You know, go out there and prove that he's a good running back, that he can trust you again. Don't put him in the doghouse and say, well, when you're out, you're out. You know, like, right. It's just, but he does that though sometimes, not often, but I mean, he's, He's definitely not afraid to do that to some people. Look at Avery Thomas right now. Avery Thomas was a starter last year, and now he's like our sixth-string quarterback. Like, he's, yeah, if for some reason you get on his bad side, like, you're going down, man. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing about it is, too, like, like we see that in, in mid-game, but, you know, I wonder, you know, I wonder how much of it is John Lynch, too, because, you know, right now, like, these, a lot of these GMs are determining the rosters on game days and, things like that and i'd be interested to hear john lynch's thoughts on hey eric wilson fumbled the ball how do you feel about keeping it not handing the ball to him for mostly the rest of the game when you're only down by one score you know so i'd be interested to hear what john has to say about it because i mean you shouldn't do that like i don't think really you know I mean, purposely, like, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, like, I've seen Andy Reid not do that. Like, I watched Andy Reid go with a running back, and he fumbled three times in one game, you know. But he was racking up yards. And so if your guy's racking up yards, you know, there's no reason to take him out if he, you know, if he fumbles once. Like, Right, he didn't get the chance to, like, and he wasn't doing bad. I didn't think he was, yeah, he was running into... Some he didn't have that breakout run that early, but yeah, it was the first quarter. Like, so I agree with you there. Like, bro, you like we still got three quarters of football left. It's not his fault that they were able to take it all the way back. Like, yeah, the ball control is his fault, but that wasn't a guaranteed touchdown. Like, that was a fluke. It was a fluke. I mean, even them trying to they score. They got picked up by their best defensive player. We didn't know that was going to happen. And, and not only that, but when that guy stretched out his arm to, like, go for the pylon, it fell out of his hand. Like, that was, I mean, that was just a fluky, fluky-ass touchdown. And I'm just like, and he, you know, and as I went listening to the game more and more, I'm like, I can't believe he did that. Like, that's just, I mean, that's no, that's no way to run a team. And, like, I'm, I don't know. I mean, how many years have you guys had Kyle now? Like, you and you put up with this, like, as, 2017 as a, or uh, 20, uh, yeah, 2017. We hired him after uh, the Falcons collapse in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, 2017, year six. Like, I mean, you've had success. I get it. But maybe there's a reason why 
the fact that, you know, your offense maybe doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem like, as a player, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that if I was Trent Williams. I wouldn't like that, you know, if I was George Kittle. I wouldn't like that. Like, you, you, you can't just do that, you know, and you're not giving a guy a second chance, you know, and I don't know what's been said in that locker room or, or whatnot, but, you know, if me, if I were a captain, I, I'd get together and be like, you got to stop doing this, Kyle, because, uh, you know, this is beginning to be ridiculous. And, you know, if there's going to be any any cause for concern about players playing for Kyle, it's going to be because of that. Like, they're just going to start – eventually this is going to collapse if he keeps doing this. Like, you can't survive this way in the NFL by, by being this way, you know. And, you know, your team can run the ball. That's what its bread and butter is. You don't abandon it. Just, you know, for, you know they, they tied the game up. Kid fumbled, you got it back. Let him go out there and redeem himself. Run up, you know, run up the yards. Run 30 times. That's what you're built to do, you know? Right. And I, I agree. I mean, it's this is the only time that I can think of um, where it seemed like it was this alarming. I mean, maybe I could look back and uh, find another game or two. But, no, it's absolutely worth a concern that he was – It's it's another questionable thing, kind of like when we questioned – why have Trey Lance run up the gut so much? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I've been debating with people on that on Twitter because, you know, I watched Jalen Hurts and I watched Jesus the Eagles. Still? <laughs> that was six weeks ago. <laughs> well, somebody brought up the fact that Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback and he's running 13 times a game. And, and I'm explaining to them, I was like, they don't run up the middle with the quarter, like the quarterback's, option is not always the run up the middle like it was with Kyle like literally Kyle was running up the middle with Trey Lance he got like a decent amount of yards and then they started reading the play and they were getting two yards and two yards like run it a little bit more sporadically like the Eagles do like the Eagles won't I've never seen them on one drive unless unless they're getting 10 yards at a pop run that play 10 yards, 10 yards. No, I'd never seen him run it two yards, two yards, two yards, two yards. Like, you don't do that on the same drive, and you don't want to do it on a consistent basis because, yeah, your quarterback's probably going to get injured because there's not a lot of room to slide. You know, guys are coming at you from all different angles. You know, and, yeah, I, I, that's my point of view. Now, you can have whatever point of view you want, but if you want to say that, the Eagles are doing the same thing with Jalen Hurts that the 49ers were doing with Trey Lance. No, they're not. They're not. Like, they're just not. You know, and, you know, so, yeah, I I don't know. People are going to argue whatever, but, like, they're right. they're calling me out like I don't watch the games. Like, they, they bring up a highlight film from last year and say, oh, look, you ran up the middle here. I was like, yeah. They don't do that every single play. Like, that's what Kyle was doing, you know? And so... Right. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, just seeing how long we've been going, um, it was a deflating loss. But I do, before we get to our last, to our next segment, I just need to just... Some, I, I should have credited who I took this from off Twitter. 
but uh, somebody took the time to write out an injury list like uh, like I wanted to. I just couldn't find the time to. But someone did a very, very meticulous job on it. I'm not going to read this like verbatim, but just to take a look at the state of where we are, um, I'll just list off the starters. Um, on offense, really, um, I'm going to read this for a question, too. I'm not reading this just to be a misogynist or whatever. Or, not misogynist. <laughs> masochist that's what i was trying to say um but no uh obviously trey lance done for the year elijah mitchell we're still probably another what this is week six we're still probably another three weeks away from him coming back at minimum um some backup tight ends uh trent williams there is hope there is hope he's coming back next week it's not a guarantee. We need to see how he practices. Uh, if listeners hearing this probably know more than we do. We tape this on Mondays. Uh, but uh, Trent Williams, he might not come back. He, we're hopeful for Kansas City, though. His backup, uh, Colton Mikovitz, um, I we don't know, but he shouldn't be the starter anyway. Um, and then Mike McGlinchey, we lost him in the middle of this game. So just look at offense. Technically, our starting quarterback is gone. Our starting running back is gone. And... I hopefully Trent Williams comes back. So we at least have our more important left tackle, but yeah, who knows when McGlinchey's coming back. That's an important position too, the right tackle. And he's honestly been really good. So, I mean, fortunately that's where it stops. Our wide receiver room. Thank God our wide receiver room has avoided this injury bug plague. Uh, or we'd be in some, God, we'd be in some serious trouble defensively though. Deep breath. We have one, two, three, four, five, six linemen of we initially signed 11 at the start of the season six of them have varying degrees of injury nick bosa kind of the same with trent williams hopefully he can come back next week uh but we just have to see how he practices ecubom oh my god we lost but give this dude a game ball for balling out as hard as he could literally giving his body to the game he had to come out like five times man i would be shocked if he was playing next week uh, Jordan Willis, we lost him uh, a couple weeks ago. Ken Law, he officially went on IR because he's got this horrible chronic knee issue. They just can't get the fluid out of his knee. I was reading up on that. But he finally went to IR. Uh, Arik Armstead, one of our captains, he almost went on IR this week. They decided not to put him on IR. I guess they're going to wait and see this week and decide then if he needs to go on IR and miss like four games formally like that. But uh, yeah, he was almost on IR because of his plantar fasciitis. Um, and then Mar uh, Maurice Hurst, we lost him like in training camp. So, I mean, he was not. But again, pay attention. That's six defensive linemen and all four of those six were listed as starters week one. I I don't know what to say. I, I, I would I would love to see any other team go through this and see how they come out and see if they're three and three. <laughs> um. And then, of course, Al-Shair, uh, we are still kind of uh, like at least a month away from him coming back, one of our linebackers. Uh, and then of our defensive backs, Jimmy Ward has been gone. We're still trying to figure out if Jimmy Ward can come back and play with a cast on his hand like JPP. He didn't play this week. And then all three of our number one, two, and three corners, we lost Ward. We don't know how his groin injury is uh mosley he tore his acl we know he's gone for the year and then uh with jason verrett we didn't activate him this week because he still has knee soreness and we're getting dangerously close to when a player on pup needs to be activated or sent to permanent ir 
So we're very close to decision time if we're going to have uh, him back. And who knows if we're going to have any of these. Uh, God, I hope we get Ward back. You know, I love, I've been in love with Ward this entire season. Yeah. So I guess my question is, like, I don't, I, I don't know. From your outsider perspective, how do you feel me going through that injury list? Because I'm well, luckily not, luckily not many of them are IR, but it's still scary because that means it's open-ended. We don't have a definitive answer. And some of these injuries are really bad and are keeping Elijah Mitchell out for a while, Al Shahir out for a while. We don't know when Ward is coming back. We, we might have to put Armstead and Verrett on IR. I, it's terrifying because there is no answer. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. If the Eagles go this year, making the playoffs, being as good as they are right now, teams are going to start changing the way they do training camp. I guarantee it. Because right now, the the laundry list of injuries that you have are not on the Eagles. And it wasn't on there last year, too. And people are starting to attribute this to the fact that the Eagles don't practice as much in training camp at the beginning of the year and put their bodies through all that nonsense. And this is the new NFL. Like, you're restricted as to how much practice you can. But coaches still feel the need to push and push and push and analytics came in and people were like, well, you know, there was a theory that maybe if you didn't practice so much in training camp and saved your guys, you know, during the preseason that going into the season, you'd be healthy and you'd be a lot healthier going throughout the season than limit injuries. Last year didn't have a lot of injuries, not a lot of season ending injuries, six games through this year, we're six and oh, don't have a lot of people on the injury list, you know? And like, so it's going to like, this is, I think, you know, now that the Eagles are doing it a second year in a row, they're not off to a slow start, you know, like they were last year. Cause last year they got off to a slow start and people, that's one of the things people attributed to their slow start was the fact that they didn't have hard enough practices in the preseason. But now we're seeing like, there's, People know how to play football, you know, and these guys know how to play, most of your guys. So maybe you let the veterans, you know, maybe you don't let them practice as much. You know, you you take them out, you, you don't let them practice as much, you know, and you practice less to conserve your guys for the season so that you're not at week six, like you guys are, with a laundry list full of injured players. You know, and this is where the Eagles are are doing. And if they're successful, if they go on to win, you know, I mean, even if they win 13, 12, 13 games and end up with one of the top seeds in the NFC, people are going to, and, you know, especially if they get there without a lot of injuries, teams are going to be like, GMs are going to look and start saying, maybe we should be doing this too, so that we don't end up having to pull people off practice squads all the time or, or anything like that, you know, or so that we don't have a laundry list of injuries and we're not going, you know, weeks without people like a majority of our roster, you right. know? And yeah. And right now this is looking like our 2020 season all over again. This, this is almost going the exact same way early in the season. We were losing so many players. Like I'm thankful we didn't lose gold. He had a knee bruise, but he was still able to play. But like the fact that that mm -hmm. was a silver lining, 
amongst the rest of this list is still I'm I'm terrified honestly I I I I just want to know when any of these guys are coming back and that's what sucks is because so many of these are open ended. Yeah, I mean, so I think you know a lot of people said what the Eagles was doing. They didn't know if it was going to work. The Eagles were one of the first the one of the first teams to try this. We're now seeing the benefits of that. And we're now seeing the fact that it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get off to a slow start. You know, the fact that you didn't go hard in practice during the preseason, that you didn't push the limits with how much time that you can practice in the preseason. They actually, the Eagles don't even get hardly even close to what you're allowed to practice for this reason, to not be injured during the regular season and to make it through the regular season with all your good guys with all your roster and not have too much, too many injuries. And that's, you know, maybe that's where the league should trend because the Eagles are obviously proving that this is, this theory is actually starting to work, you know? And so I, I mean, I, I think I dig it. We need to change something. This has happened too many times that yeah. it just, it's, and this is alarming. We need to like this off season. We need to change something. And if it's as simple as that, I, I'm, I'm, liter- I'm all ears. And if I'm John Lynch, I'm all ears for any plan to change our off season uh, procedurally. Well, and you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, back in during when we had Adam from our San Francisco 49ers host, you know, we talked about this, and I said, well, what, what would you, would, what would you? What would you rather have? Would you rather have like a slow start maybe and take less injuries or would you take a fast start and have a bunch of injuries? And like we sort of talked about like this non-practicing thing. And yeah, this is this is what the Eagles have done the last two years. And last year they started out slow, but now we're seeing the reason why they started out slow wasn't because they didn't practice. It was because they weren't playing to this team's strength which was running the ball, you know, and once they started running the ball, they ended up in the playoffs and they didn't have a lot of injuries still. So this year they did the same thing. We're at week six. We, I mean, I think, I think last night's game, everybody played, everybody played last, last night. And the only two injuries I think that we had were Lane Johnson got a concussion so he's going to be in concussion protocol, and uh, our just, guard. I'm sorry, you said your guard. Our guard too. I think he's been having nagging injuries, but like that's he played. He started the game, and I think he finished. And then the other guy that got injured was CJ CJ Gardner, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. He, he went out with a hand, but that guy came back in and had an interception. So, like, when your guys are a lot fresher and haven't been beaten up for, you know, six weeks, you know, they tend to recover from injury a little bit quicker in the season, whereas now you're looking at it's week six and we got half our roster going. So right. I, think, I think after seeing the Eagles, what they're doing and how they're starting – uh, and realizing that, hey, maybe maybe we don't go so hard and we can save our roster and we're not having this, you know, pick people off practice squads and stuff. So you reminded me uh, the one that wasn't on that list because it just happened uh, two hours ago when I got home from work. 
Hufunga is in the concussion protocol, so now he's questionable for next week. So that's awesome. <laughs> Why the heck was he in the game then? He exactly. He got taken out for a couple plays to get checked out, and he was fine during the game. They let him back in, and now he's back formally in the concussion protocol again. So, so yeah, I I almost forgot about that because yeah, again, that wasn't on that list I sent you. But I mean, I guess on a positive note, uh, we're still in a tie with the Rams for the division lead and the Seahawks. I think it's a three-way tie because uh, they beat the Cardinals, but. I don't know. It's still technically a long season. Um, it's, I don't know. We just got a, we got a lot of rallying to do. We got a lot of soul searching to do before we go to our next game. So I think with that, um, we need to go ahead and take a break with a word from our sponsor. Yes, guys, if you are in the Melbourne, Florida area, reach out to Ali Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate. 321-698-4692. When I was in the sh- when I was shopping for a home in the Rockledge, Florida area, I told Allie how much I wanted to pay for a house, and she respected my price range and did not try to persuade me to go above my budget. She's a great realtor that will get you into a house you love at a price you can afford. That's Ali Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate. 321-698-4692. 321-698-4692. Now that we've heard from our sponsors, that means it's time for Jimmy B's Long Shots. Yes, Mr. B, let us have it. Uh, What did you find out there in the gambling world as we inch closer to the halfway mark of the season? Well, you know, I was looking at, you know, some odds out there, uh, you know, just of teams who could win the AFC. Now that we've gotten through week six, we've started to see that the Bills and the Chiefs have started to pull away with the AFC talk. Now, personally, I still think anybody can win the AFC as what we saw last year. Last year, we thought Buffalo and Kansas City was the top two teams, but Cincinnati has started winning games and they're back at plus 1,200 to win the AFC. So if they start winning games, maybe they get back to form and can go back to the Super Bowl I know the Bills and the Chiefs, but, I mean, betting on the Bills, you're going to get plus 150 and plus 325. So if you're looking for something that's going to pay with some odds um, and get you a good return, you got the Bengals at plus 1,200 right now to win the AFC. And if you really want to go for a big payout, Jets are 4-2. and two. Currently, they hold the fifth seed in the AFC at four and two, they're plus 4,000 to win the AFC. The AFC looks strong, but I don't know. I'm looking at the Jets' schedule, and they got, I mean, let's see. They they beat the Dolphins and the Packers back-to-back weeks. This week, they have the Broncos. Next, they have the Patriots at home, the Bills at home, and then on the road to the Patriots, then the Bears, um... Vikings and Bills back-to-back, but then the Lions, the Jaguars, Seahawks, and Dolphins to finish out the season. Now, we talked last week about them making the playoffs. The special is not out there anymore, so I hope you got on that plus 500 and make the playoffs because really looking at the schedule, maybe with the way they're playing. Uh, we talk, we've also talked about defenses on this uh, on this team, and right now the Jets are ninth overall in yards given up per game 
and so if they keep up this formula, running the ball with Brees Hall, using running the offense through Brees Hall, and playing you know good enough defense, they're going to be in the playoffs. And when you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that. And then in the MVP race, um, I believe I believe I had Joe Burrow again. Um, hold on, let me put it back again. So I had the um, regular season. Let me look up awards. I think I had Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was at, um, I believe, plus 3,000 to win MVP now. So if he gets on a roll, you know, maybe you get a nice good odds on Joe Burrow winning MVP. The favorites right now are, um, right now, uh, Allen is number one, followed by Hertz. Um and then it drops off between Jackson and Mahomes, but you can get you can get Joe Burrow at plus three thousand. He's starting to gain that chemistry back again, I think, uh, with Jamar Chase, and the offense is going to start rolling. So maybe look to them as to maybe being you know a surprise out of the AFC, you know, getting back on track, and you know we'll see. But I you know I think the Bengals are a team to look out for, and I think the Jets are a team to look out for now. So, but if, I mean, if you really want to take a long shot, just to win the AFC right now is plus four thousand. I mean, you never know. There, there are, there are, they are in a playoff spot after week six, fifth seed. You know, they get a couple. If they get an upset over Buffalo, they get an upset over Buffalo. They're in first place in the AFC East. Like, dude, that, Robert, that I'm so, I'm so thrilled for Robert Sala. He was such a tremendous guy and such a tremendous coach. I again, I'm amazed that we didn't have a bigger drop off between him and D'Amico Ryan's, but um, it was rough. It was rough there at the start, but I mean, I I don't know. I'm pulling. I'm pulling for the Jets. Like I I really hope that the floor doesn't fall out for them. I I really don't. He's he's too good a guy. He's too good a coach, and he's. It took a little bit, but that chemistry seems to finally be paying off. And give credit to Robert Sala after after they lost in the first week of the season like he came out and he was like i'm taking i'm taking receipts of all these all this crap you're saying about us like the balls that that guy had to say that at that moment and now like his team is coming through you know is 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 you know they're four and two i get it let's not get too overexcited but still like he went out there and he he basically laid his head on the chopping block for his team and said that he believed in this team, that this team was going to get it right. Right now they're looking like that. And the odds right now are in your favor to get on a bandwagon right now. If you want to get it. And if you want to, I mean, if you really want to go out there, man, it's uh, we're looking if you, if you think maybe they, if they get better, or if you think maybe get on it now, it's plus 10,000 for them to win the Super Bowl. Just so, I mean, $10 gets you a thousand dollars in that, in that instance. So. I'm so thrilled for the, I'm so thrilled for the Jets. I love those odds. Um, I I do have to ask, even though I know we're running short on time, uh, New York sports, are you remotely terrified of the Giants now after all the, well, remember they're what five I, and one, they are five and one. That is objective truth. They are five and one, man. Does that alarm you in any way? The way that they've beaten the Packers and the Ravens and they've, they, their defense is stepping up if nothing else. 
Well, they're playing a lot of close games. And so, you know, they're playing a lot of close games. Uh, that's one of the things. A lot of their games, they're not winning by blowouts. They're, win- they're winning by, you know, one one score, which, you know, teams can survive in this league one season under one score. But, you can't, I mean, going out there and expecting to win every game by one score is not a formula for winning. So are they a good scrappy team? Yes. Um do I think they could be the first team to hand the Eagles a loss? I do. I ch- I came on here and gave you odds of that. I told you the Eagles would not lose to Dallas. I was right. I said if you really want some long odds on somebody who's going to take out the Eagles, uh, be the first team to take out the Eagles, I told you it was the Giants at plus 1,800. So it's a division rival. These things are heated. The Eagles have owned the Giants in the past, but you got a new head coach, you know, McDermott's making a great case for coach of the year, man. Dable, you mean Dable. Or Dable. Right? I, I keep calling him McDermott. Yeah. yeah <laughs> McDermott's Dable. the Buffalo coach. My bad. Yeah. Brian Dable. I mean, he's, he's making a good case for coach of the year. And, but I, I mean, like it's a division game. You got a team believing in itself. You got an undefeated Eagles team. You, if you're one win away, if they remain one win away from the Eagles somehow, like then that game becomes monumental. In you know, be, that, that's going to be for the division. Oh, you know? flex, flex that game into prime time. Flex that game into prime time. It's going to be for the division, right? And if I mean, if they stay, I mean, if the Eagles go on to are still undefeated and the Giants are at one loss, you're also looking at the Giants looking at home field advantage, right? Through throughout the playoffs, if it gets to that point, right? If they if the Giants continue to win and the Eagles continue to win and they get to a game where the Eagles I mean, I don't know where the Giants are on the schedule. I know it's late in the season, but they get late in the schedule, week 14, when the Eagles are 13 and 0 and the Giants are 12 and 1, you're looking at a battle not only for NFC East dominance, but NFC dominance in a and a week one bye in the playoffs. So, this I mean, uh, December eleventh at one o'clock on Fox. I don't see that one getting flexed. If it does boil down to you guys, your season finale is January eighth. The Giants come to the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, and you that know, could be flexed in the prime time if that game matters as much as like it's been trending so far. If it matters that way, now, you know. The Eagles, the Eagles have a potential to go 17 and 0. And if they play, if they play like they have been playing right now, there, I don't see them going 17 and 0. I will say that. I think somebody's going to outplay them somehow. Um, and you know, because they're winning, they're not. These last couple of games, they haven't dominated as much um as much on the on the defensive end um and so you know they they've they've given up 17 points in back to games which we talked about is good but also the offense in the last two games has stored 26 and 20 points you know to coincide with that so the eagles are playing a lot of close games too so if they keep going eventually somebody's going to have their number and take them i mean they have the potential and i think they could do it but the Eagles are going to start having to score more points um, in the second half for me to really sort of say, 
get on it or, you know, they're definitely going to do it. A couple of weeks ago, yeah, I was like that. But now seeing them a couple more weeks, it's like, okay, they're, you know, they're sort of playing with fire with this whole score 20 points in the second quarter and then, you know, only score a touchdown the rest of the way. They're they're sort of playing with fire in in that manner. I think we have a good defense. It's given up. I mean, we gave up 35 to the Lions the first week, but now we've buckled down. Giving up 17 points at home and away. They're a good defense. Um, but if they're giving up 17 points and the offense gets puttered out by a good defense or a defense just comes up with a scheme to stop both the run and the pass on them, then, yeah. But, I mean, the Giants could be that team. The Giants could be that team that beats them. I, I said that even before we got here. Like they they may be the first team that beats them. And if it keeps if I mean, even if even if week fourteen the Eagles are thirteen and zero and the Giants are eleven and two, that game still matters just as much because if they beat them there, then the Eagles are thirteen and one, the Giants are twelve and two, which means that last game of the season it's going to matter that much more as well because the winner of that will win the NFC East. So, you know, it's that Giants Eagles game is going to matter whether it's for the division, whether it's for the NFC number one seed. It's going to matter. The Giants, if they have belief in themselves, like they're gonna they're gonna go play. They're obviously playing hard for Dabo now, and he's got Danny Dimes playing at a at, at a way like where he's not turning the ball over so much. I mean. You know, it you know, it could come down to the Giants and the Eagles for the NFC East, um, for sure. I I'm just saying, man, I <laughs> I I mean I don't know. It's it's definitely a game that everybody's gonna wanna watch. It, it, yeah. some of them, it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't I don't think yeah. I don't I don't even think the Eagles the Eagles don't even go past Dallas for the rest of like traveling wise like they're not going to the west coast anymore like their longest travel day i think is dallas in december um they got the colts i think but that's an east coast game um i think they play the texans um and the titans too this year and you know two of those games one of those games is going to be at home the other two are going to be on the road they're not going to really travel too far outside the east coast for the rest of the season so i think they're going to go they're 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 good enough to go on the roll and keep that going and and i think the giants game is really where people should look for the eagles first loss and i i said that a couple weeks ago when we we had the specials giants were plus 1800 to deliver the eagles their first loss Guaranteed that the Eagles wouldn't lose to Dallas. They didn't. And I think that's where it's going to trend. Like, I think looking at the schedule, Eagles go all the way up until that Giants game, and we'll see what happens in the Giants game. Right on. And thank you also for the bets. Those are very interesting numbers, as always. Looking to the future, though, brush off the dirt from this loss. Uh, It's time to get back to work. Uh, because we got a big one. Uh, it was certainly advertised as the nationally broadcast game uh, for 4.30 on Fox. 
we are finally going back home to the West Coast, and we're going to be on the West Coast for quite a while, for the next month, uh, or for the next three weeks, and then we go to Mexico. But uh, we're hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, again, it looked like it was being advertised as this is the game. Everybody's going to be getting at 4.30. Uh, <clears throat> that means uh, Greg Olson and I forgot his partner's name. They're going to be calling this game. It's at 4.30 East Coast time, which is going to be 1.30 uh, West Coast time on Fox. I am nervous as hell about this game. I really hope we get more than just Williams and Bosa back, but I know that's a pipe dream. But you know what? I I don't know. We just got to strap down, strap on our pads and do our best. I, I can't say I'm excited in the traditional sense, but I, I don't know. It's going to be heated. It's, I, I don't know. A lot well, of people on our roster are still bitter about the Super Bowl, and we're playing in that game. So, I mean, it's going to be an emotional game. So, I, that's who we got next uh, this Sunday. It's going to be the Chiefs. But I tell, I tell you what, they're going to play for this game. They're, they're going to play up in this game. I guarantee you. They're going to play up. Because they've been on the road for now, for over a week now. They've been on the road, you know, in West Virginia. They're coming home to their beds, right? And how good does it feel when you've been on a long road trip coming back to your own bed? Like, how good does that feel to get inside your sheets that you haven't slept in for over a week, you know, how good, how how good a feeling that's going to feel when the home crowd is booing the ever-loving crap out of Patrick Mahomes, thinking he can come here and beat us, which, I mean, that's how they're going to act, obviously. Like I And I'm going to be cheering my head off, too. I don't want us to lose this game. I'm just, I read that injury list, and I'm like, it's, we're going to have to earn it. That's what I'm trying to say. We're going to have to earn this game, because this is not going to be an easy game. It's not going to be an easy game, but... I think the 49ers will will come out on top of this one because, you know, the Chiefs, you know, they lost to Buffalo at home. They are mortal. They they do yeah. look mortal this year. I'll give you that. They look, they look mortal. And I think, you know, like I said, like they, they've played two games on the road in the East Coast for, for, you know, they've been out on the road for over a week. Their bodies are hurt. Two right weeks. now, <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, they've been out. They've been out on the road for two weeks with football, with the injuries, all that. They're getting to come home and sleep in their own bed. It's going to feel good. They're going to go into that game refreshed and rejuvenated. They've been home all week after a tough road loss, trying to go back out there and prove that, you know, you still belong at the top of the division. They're taking on the big bad Chiefs who handed you the Super Bowl loss a couple of years ago. You got Charvarius Ward. If he comes back, that's his old team, you know. So I think, I think you're going to see uh, a 49ers win. Like I know I said Atlanta. I thought I felt good about Atlanta. I was wrong, but I think after spending two weeks on the road, playing two hard football games on the road, they're going to come home back to their beds, and it's just going to feel so nice on their bodies and just refresh them, and they're going to be ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs and hopefully come out with a win they shot themselves in the foot against the colts i mean i I'll, I'll take a win for my hometown colts but that was definitely the chiefs shooting themselves in the foot so that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that we can get them off the rocker and catch them off guard like the colts did but with that yeah next week is the chiefs the the a-listers are going to be calling that game at 4 30 
James, let everybody know where they can reach out to us. In the meantime... All right, guys, if you like our show and would like instant access the day that it records, which is on Monday, then you can go to Patreon uh, slash Niter Nuts uh, to uh, contribute $5. It goes to our uh, little charity account, and we can, you know, we're looking to, you know, do something with it. We don't know exactly what. We want to try to get more T-shirt designs for you. Or some other things. And with that $5, you'll get instant access to our podcast. We air on, we record on Monday. It airs on Wednesday. But you could get it as soon as Monday night to listen to us. And it supports us. And we want to do more for you with the money by maybe making more t-shirts designs. Or, you know, we do a lot of charity work with our t-shirts. And so maybe it goes to that. But we want you to be a part of us. So there's even... Uh, uh, guest appearances on our uh, show, if you, which you would also get merchandise as well. Uh, we have two tiers for that, so look into that. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, we are at Niner Nuts. Uh, if you want to email us, uh, whatever, you want to chit-chat with us, you want to give us a review for the show because you left a five-star on Spotify, uh, go ahead and reach out to us. It's 49ernuts at gmail.com. That's 49 ernuts at gmail.com also if you leave a five-star review on apple you're going to need to email us there so that we can read your five-star review on the air if you have a question for us you can go there also we're on facebook at niner nuts on facebook if you want our apparel just google niner nuts apparel then go to the bonfire.com link currently right now all the proceeds from the shirts that we sell on bonfire Go to D.C. Human Trafficking Recovery Centers in an effort to pressure the NFL to vote Dan Snyder out, which, if you've been paying attention, might be starting to come a little bit soon. You might see the world burn. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, Ooh, by the time you all, by the time our non-Patreons are listening to this, this is post the owner meeting. I almost forgot that is happening uh, on the 18th tomorrow from when we're taping this. So, so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I mean, it's a whole nother podcast that we could get into that, but if you want to, if you want to donate to a good cause and get some apparel from us, go to bon, go to bonfire.com research, Niner nuts apparel. That way you can support DC human trafficking recovery centers um, and get, some good out into the community. Dan, do you have anything else that you'd like to say? Uh, yeah, I didn't really give this player a proper shout out while we were recapping the game, but um, I want to shout out our rookie, Sam Womack. He had a very big welcome to the NFL game. He, he got, uh, he let, he gave up two touchdowns. Uh, he gave up the Kyle Pettis touchdown or Kyle Pitts touchdown. And he was the man watching Mariota, and he was the the one man that Mariota had to beat on his rushing touchdown. And just keep your head up, man. You're a rookie. You you've shown great traits that deserve to be here in the league. Uh, this happens to everybody. This is your welcome to the league moment. So just keep your head up, man. I, yeah, it's a low light right now, but uh, you just I don't know. You learn from this, and then you just get better. That's how it goes. But uh, but yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I did feel bad for him in the moment. But I mean, yeah, it's just your welcome to the NFL moment, man. Just uh, regroup, and you'll be fine. 
you took you take that a lot better than Eagles fans. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like an Eagle fan, if they wouldn't care if that kid was a rookie or not, they'd be like, what the what the F? You can't even do this. You can't even do that. We would be all over his ass. And you're just oh, like, Oh, dude, yeah, he's, a ro- he's a rookie. He was well, a rookie going against Kyle Pitts and Marcus Mariota. Cut him a little bit of slack. <laughs> like that. I mean, that, I mean, he's that barely, just... he's barely taller than me too for a defensive back. Like he's not, it, it's not like, uh, it's not Mike Evans covering Kyle Pitts. Like <laughs> he's there a rookie. Be, there, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, like that's the difference between 49ers and Eagles fans. Like right there, if we would have saw all of that going on, We'd be like, why the heck is he out there? Why can't they get somebody? Why can't get they get his backup to come in for him? Like, like <laughs> that's the way it would be in Philadelphia. I'm just telling you right that's... now. We we get on players' asses more than I guess 49ers fans do. Because... I'm trying to I'm trying to be the optimist. I love what I saw of Womack in the in the preseason, and I just yeah, I just wanted to give him a little shout out. Just I, it's gonna be all right, man. You gave up two touchdowns, but it's you're gonna be all right, man. Don't worry about it. It's it happens to everybody. Everybody's got one bad game. Okay. Well, let's hope it's just one bad game. So, but anyway, we'd like to thank Daniel Mayer and Mayer Creative for our logo. And outro music is River Road by Justin Muth. See you next week. Beat the Chiefs. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song, River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long.